Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Uh, come closer. Seven commands to draw us closer to God. Today we're once again going to focus on the gospel as we look at come closer, the narrow way. Uh, the command that we look at today may seem more restrictive or, or challenging to some people's thinking. Um, it's a command that strikes directly at our rebellious nature and our tendency to seek our own will over Christ's. Because, let's face it, we all have a rebellious nature. We all desire to do our own things. The Bible says that we have all turned aside to our own way. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And we know without Christ being a part of our life that there is nothing that we do that is good in God's eyes. He says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Uh, In our last message, it was a gospel-centric message. This one will also center on the gospel. Uh, This is important to note because much of the commands of Christ have a gospel focus. Whether it's a command for people to receive the gospel message or a call for followers to live the gospel message, the gospel is the center of every command that Jesus Christ gives us. This, uh, this quote uh, encapsulates the truth of this whole idea that our lives are so to be centered on the gospel. It says this, and there's some words in here that might be bigger words, but just, just listen, this, this quote when I read it, it just struck my heart, and, and it was like, wow, this is so much what we are supposed to be about as Christians, and I don't believe that we, we understand that, and I don't believe it's something that we followed, and we've got to get to this idea. The church is the bearer to all nations of a gospel that announces the kingdom, the reign, and the sovereignty of God. This is our mission. It's to preach the gospel. There is no reason for the church if we are not preaching the gospel. And it continues. It calls men and women to repent of their false loyalty to other powers, to become believers in the one through sovereignty, and so to become cooperatively assigned instruments in a foretaste of the sovereignty of the one true and living God over all nations, uh, uh, over all nature and all nations and all human lives. The church is not men uh, meant to call men out of the world into a safe religious enclave, but to call them out in order to send them back as agents of God's kingship. This is not supposed to be a place where we sit and we do nothing. It's not a place for you to come and sit in the pew and be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to bunker down here and, and shelter myself from the world. God saved you so that you would tell others the message of Christ. That is what God has given you to do. So it stands to reason and understand why every command that Christ gives us is centered on the gospel. It's not for us to have a bunker mentality and say, you know, I'm just going to hunker down in here. I'm not going to go out. You know, I'm just going to be around Jesus's people and then I'll never struggle with anything. Ha! How long have you been in church? How often have you seen disagreements? How often have you seen contention? Now, should it be that way in the church? Absolutely not. 
But when we lose the focus of what the church is supposed to be about, and that is to be in unity and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, absolutely you're going to see uh, dis, uh, uh, um, disunity in the church. You're going to see arguments. You're going to see contention. Why? Because we're not doing what God's called us to do. And is it foreign to the Bible? Do we not see that happening in the Bible? We see it happening all the time. And so we shouldn't be surprised when it happens in our own church. But, you know, that's why we have got to work so hard to be in unity with the spirit and teach what the word of God says and return to the roots of this Bible, the foundations of God's word, so that we are living the way that God has called us to be as the church, the body of Christ and sharing Christ with others. That that uh, quote is from a man named Leslie Newbigin. Uh, This is the very picture of what Christ came to do, to call men to salvation and then send them out as ambassadors to the world. When men received this salvation, Jesus didn't invite them to sit and do nothing. He called them to action. His command has not changed. It's the same today. He expects everyone who has received his salvation to point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are to point people to the narrow way of salvation. I'm going to champion what the word of God says when it gives the gospel. And I'm going to preach against the false gospels because it is a narrow way to salvation. It is not going to be a broad way. It's not going to be whatever way that you want to go to God. That's how you're going to get to God. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father but by me. Jesus made no apology for teaching a narrow way of salvation. As we get into this this morning, the first thing I want us to see is that there's two gates. There's two gates. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Now, uh, the word straight there, uh, you might say, well, what does that mean? It's not spelt like straight, like you're going straight. The word straight there has the idea of like the straight of Gibraltar. It, it's going to be a narrow passageway that you have to enter in that ships would go through. This is what it means by straight. It's a narrow gate. The Bible tells us of two gates, a straight or narrow gate and a wide gate. The narrow gate leads to life. The wide gate leads to destruction. Jesus never shied away from giving a message of receiving a narrow picture of salvation. Again, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is uh, no man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't give any other way of salvation. He is the only way. And the picture of this straight gate is the picture of entering into that relationship with Jesus Christ. But before we look at the narrow way, I want us to look at the wide way or the broad way. The wide gate leads to a wide path. And we see several reasons why this path is, is, is appealing to people. If it wasn't appealing to people, do you think people would go down it? You know, uh, n- nobody goes into the middle of a city and says, oh, man, that alley looks great. I want to walk right down it so I get mugged. Right. So, so when we look at the wide way, it's going to look appealing. Does the world not make look, things look appealing? Man, all the time, all the time. If, if, they, if it wasn't appealing and if they didn't make it appealing, do you think they would spend billions of dollars at the Super Bowl to put ads up for all the things that they want to advertise? 
They do it on purpose. They want to appeal to your senses. Why is it that people want to go down the wide way or the broad way of destruction? Well, uh, first of all, I don't think they realize it's a broad way of destruction. It's easy is the very first thing. It's easy. The wide path is the path of least resistance. Why? Because it's natural. When we were born, guess what path we were born on? We were born on the wide path. We were born on that path of destruction. So it's easy to follow. There's nothing I have to sacrifice because I'm already there. I don't have to change anything because guess what? I'm on the path that I was born into. So it's easy. It's popular because, you know, it's, it's what everyone was born into. It's the path that we all started on and the path that our nature desires to stay on. How do we know that? Now, we understand there's people who, uh, who have sins in their lives, whether it's uh, addiction or whether it's uh, anger or whether it's um, uh, a manner of other things, lust, right? They have all these things in their life and they try to fix them themselves, but where do they find themselves right back at? Right, the wide path. Why? Because that's their nature. The Bible says we were by nature the children of wrath. And we are. That's what we are. We are the children of the devil without Jesus Christ. And that's our nature. John 3, 19 through 20 says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither come to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. This is our nature. This is where we were before salvation. Then this might be where you are right now. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, this is where you are. You hate the light because you love evil. Pastor, that doesn't seem very nice. I don't love evil. I mean, I like to party. I like to drink a little. I might like to do some drugs, but that's not really evil. Yes, it is. Those are evil things. Those are things that are going to lead to destruction. And it's your nature to love those things. Not only is it easy, it's inclusive. It's inclusive, right? The wide road's appealing because it's inclusive. It welcomes everyone. Come on, come just as you are. We're going to love you just the way that you are. We'll never ask you to change. We are inclusive as inclusive can be. It doesn't matter what your gender is, what your religion is, what your belief in God is. You can walk freely and without judgment from the other people who walk with you. Just coexist. And it doesn't matter. You know, just come on. If you want to believe in Jesus, that's fine. You can come on with us. Uh, if you want to believe in Buddha, that's great. If you want to be an atheist, it's no problem. We are inclusive. It sounds wonderful. So it's appealing to them because it's inclusive. Now, let me say this. I believe that as a church, that anybody who walks in the doors of the church ought to be welcomed. It ought to be an inclusive place where people can come and say, hey, I know I can walk in there and those people are going to love me. But we're also going to preach the word of God. And we're not going to be ashamed of what the word of God says. And we're not going to tell people, well, you're going to go to heaven if you're a good person. We're going to say, Jesus said, repent and believe. Jesus said, it's a narrow way of salvation. My heart's desire is for you to know the God of the Bible, the Christ who loved you, and the Holy Spirit who desires to indwell you and to rule in your life. 
We're not going to sugarcoat sin. We're not going to just be like, oh, well, you're sinning. It's okay. Don't worry about it. No, the Bible preaches against sin. We're going to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. But every person ought to feel like they are welcome when they walk into the doors of this church. It's different than this inclusivity, though. Not only is it easy, it's inclusive, it's popular. Oh, yeah. Jesus said that there's few people who find the narrow road. So what does that tell us about the wide road? It's popular. It's popular and it's tempting. Since crowds are on this path, it's very alluring. You know, I just want to follow the crowd. I just want to do what everybody else is doing. That's the easy, that's the easy thing to do. Right? We, uh, I was a youth pastor for uh, 10 years in, in the same church. And, and, uh, and I told the youth all the time, I said, look, you can follow the crowd at your school. It's going to be alluring. It's going to look good, but it's going to get you in trouble. You know, most of the people that are doing the things that they're doing, the popular crowd, most of them aren't saying, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I follow him. No, they're going to follow everything else that the world has to offer. So it is popular. If you want popularity, just walk down the wide road. It's going to be great. But the other thing that we learn about this wide road is its end is destruction. I don't think most people understand that. I don't think most people understand that if there is no acknowledging that God is who he says he is, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again for your sins, and that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to salvation, I don't think if most people understood that their end was destruction, would turn away from that. But you try to tell them the end is destruction, and what do they say? Oh, no, you're just a religious fanatic. Oh, no. Well, I, uh, yeah, I'll wait, till, I'll wait till later on in life. I'll wait, till I get to, uh, I'll wait till I get to be an old man or an old woman to accept Jesus. You're not promised tomorrow. When the Philippian jailer came in and saw that uh, Paul and Silas were uh, free from their bonds and the doors were wide open, he was about to take his life. And, and uh, Paul said, no, stop, don't kill yourself. He was going to kill himself. And he said, today is the day of salvation. And the truth is, if you don't know Christ is your Savior, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Why? The end of the wide road is destruction. Unfortunately, for those who have been drawn by the appeal of the wide path, they fail to see that the path is leading them to destruction. However, this ruin isn't just something that will come at the end of the pathway. It happens throughout the journey. The warning signs are all along the pathway. The billboards of hope can be seen throughout each traveler's lives. God has placed them there after all. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has put it within the heart of every person, the knowledge that God is real and that God wants to have a relationship with them. There are warning signs along this path all along, and the warning sign is right within the heart of every single man. Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that, all, so that they are without excuse. It says that every living thing knows that there is a God. And that they are without an excuse. The warning sign is there. But you know, God sends other warning signs along the way. 
He's merciful. He shows his mercy and he makes known his mercy that they do not need to follow the path of destruction. How many times in your life before you came to know Christ as your savior, was there warning signs in your life that your life was headed for destruction? How many times were you drawn by God to say, I need God, but you called just to God, not for salvation, but a genie in the bottle type of an attitude. Well, God, if you'll get me out of this predicament, I'll follow you. And then we don't follow through with our word. God knows those things. He knows that. But he sends warning signs all along the way to make us realize that the path, uh, the wide path is a path of destruction. The next thing we see is the narrow way. Jesus told us that the narrow way is hard to find. Why is it hard to find? It's not because it's hidden. It's not because he didn't make it clear how to follow the pathway. I mean, it's, it's not like it's some hidden uh, pathway off in the distance that's covered by vines and everything else. It's hard to find because of our nature. It's hard to find because we are blind. It's hard to find because we love darkness rather than light. Matthew seven fourteen because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. It's not because he's tried to hide it from people. Again, if, if he was trying to hide it from people, would he have made it clearly seen to those who understand the things that are made, the eternal power of the Godhead? If it was hard to find, do you think that he would have given us the knowledge that God is real in our lives for every person that's ever lived. They know that God is real, whether they say they're an atheist or an agnostic or whether they deny him altogether. They know that God is real because it's in the heart of man. But it's hard to find few there be that find it because they choose not to. They choose to love darkness rather than light. They choose to continue to follow the evil because they find joy in evil. Now, the Bible doesn't make any um, wrong pictures about sin. Yeah, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. Maybe you think about your pastor. Maybe you're going through something right now and you're like, oh, man, I really like this sin. It's a lot of fun. Makes me feel good. Man, it makes me popular. Man, it makes me happy. But the end thereof is destruction. God has told us that all along. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. He's told us that all along throughout his word. Why is it hard to find? It isn't because it's hidden. It's hard to find because people are prone to do what they want. The opinion of the crowd on the wide road is more important than people uh, that are, are trying to give the truth of Christ. Here are some things that we know about the narrow road. It's unpopular. To find and follow the narrow path, one must turn away from the crowd. Sometimes it requires us to leave our family and friends to walk the path. Luke 14, 26, if any man come to me, and hateth not his father or his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's talking specifically about discipleship. 
But isn't it also true with salvation? I have a friend who was a, uh, a church planner in Staten Island, New York. He had a, uh, a Muslim girl that had been visiting their church. This Muslim girl was so concerned about her family that she continued to come to church and listened to what the pastor was preaching, and she came to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. But then she went home, and her father said, You're no longer allowed to go to that church, because if you do, I will kick you out of the house, and I will disown you. That's hard. Well, she stayed away from the church for a little while, but then her brother was having some issues. He was possessed by a demon. And, he, and she came to my, my friend and said, Can you come to my house? My brother is possessed by a demon. And I need somebody to tell him of Christ and to cast the demon out. And so my friend went there. He's like, I've never done this before. We don't see this happen. When we think of demon possession and uh, putting them out, we think of the movie Exorcist, right? And he's like, so I've never done this, so I'm asking God, give me wisdom. How do I do this? So he goes in and he follows what the Word of God says. By the name of the power of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, I command you, demon, to reveal yourself. And he said for hours he quoted Scripture, going back and forth. And as they came to the end of their conversation, the boy's countenance completely changed. And he recognized his need for Jesus Christ as his Savior and came to know Christ as his Savior. So he started coming to church. But then the dad kicked them both out of the house. It's not popular. The narrow way is unpopular. Why? Because it requires sacrifice. Because your friends will start to take notice that there's something different about you. Some people even in our own, uh, uh, our own congregation said, yeah, when I came to know Christ as my Savior, everybody just said, oh, so you got religion. You're going to be religious for a little while, but you'll be right back where you were. And they've not gone back. Praise God. There's a lot of people that want to look at God. Oh, I believe in God, but I don't want to believe in the narrow way of salvation. I want God to fix me where I am right now so that I can continue down the path of destruction because it's fun. It's great. I don't want the unpopular path. I don't want the unpopular path of the narrow way. Not only is it unpopular, it's exclusive. It's exclusive. The narrow way is exclusive. And only includes those who accepted Christ as their personal Savior. While only a few will find this path, in reality, God offers everyone the opportunity to walk the narrow path, but they must choose to enter that path according to the plan that God has given. John three seventeen and 18, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He's offered it to everyone. It's simple. He says, I gave you my son. I didn't want to condemn you. It's your sin that condemns you. I didn't send my son to condemn you. I sent him in to save you, to free you from your sin. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the only begotten son of God. 
He doesn't make it difficult. I wish that we could let people see what they are missing out on by not accepting the simple plan of salvation that God has given. But people are so lost in their wickedness, in their evil, that they'll cling to the darkness and reject the light. Jesus has made it simple for us. He's given us a direct command on how to enter the narrow way. But many people are still trying to make their own way. Listen to what Jesus says to those who try to make their own way. Luke 13, 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter it and shall not be able. Why? They're the ones striving for it. They're trying to work for it. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. He specifically says you cannot strive to enter the narrow gate. The only way that you enter the narrow gate is by recognizing me as the way, the truth, and the life. By trusting in me by faith, by repenting and believing, turning away from your sin and turning to Jesus Christ. Agreeing with God that your sin is abhorrent and recognizing your need for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. In the book, uh, uh, The Commands of Christ, author Tom Blackaby has adequately described those who will try to enter but will not be able to because they've added to the teachings of Christ. Many religious leaders from the past and in society today have gone beyond the teaching of Christ in redefining the narrow gate in their own terms for their followers. They have decided that one must approach God in specific ways. Or they have to have the Holy Spirit revealed to them in a special way. Give extravagantly to prove their commitment. Believe certain theological perspectives. Dress certain ways. Deny themselves certain comforts. Read only from certain Bible translations. Or follow a hundred other prescribed requirements of their narrow gate. And the truth is what they are doing is they are pointing people to the way of destruction. Not only do we see that the narrow uh, gate is not popular, it's unpopular. Not only do we see it's exclusive, but we also see it's simple. Jesus has made it easy. We saw last week that Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. So how do you enter this narrow way? Repent of your sins and believe the gospel that Jesus preached. John 3, 36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. He makes it simple. He doesn't make it complicated. Now, there's some people say, well, that just sounds like cheap grace or cheap salvation. No, God made it simple. Repent. Believe. If you believe, you'll have life. If you don't believe, you won't have life. But every other religion has tried to make it so complicated. Well, you better do all these sacraments. 
You better deny yourself this. If you weren't saved from this certain Bible, then you must not be saved. That's a corruptible seed. That's not what the Bible teaches. He makes it so simple. Yet many people are going to choose the wide gate instead of the narrow. When Jesus pointed out the existence of the narrow gate, he was pointing to himself. Because listen to what he said in John 10, 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He made it simple when he said, narrow is the gate. I'm the door. I'm the gate. Believe in me. Jesus didn't make it a complicated message. And this is a command that he's given us. The command is, you find the narrow gate. Don't continue on the Broadway of destruction. He commands salvation. Why? Because he loves the world that much. Many people depend on their religious activities to appease God. God never looks for the activity. He looks at the condition of the heart. When our hearts are not right, he considers all of our sacrifice and good works as dirty rags. Have you been substituting religious activities for your love for God? Has the Holy Spirit been directing you, but you've refused to follow his leading? You may want to stop right now, repent before the Lord, and believe the command of Christ, and enter the narrow way. Now, let me also warn you of this. As a Christian, it is possible for you to leave the narrow way. The narrow gate is what? Salvation through Jesus Christ. The narrow way is the discipleship in Jesus Christ. There's a difference between salvation and discipleship. Uh, this week I was talking with my pastor after preaching on uh, repent and believe. He said, but he's like, what about somebody who gets saved, who says they get saved, and they turn to Christ and their life is going well, but they fall back into their old sin. Did they not repent? No, I believe that they did in all sincerity. I believe that they truly hate their sin. And he gave an example. He said there was a, a man in the church who uh, he was a Vietnam veteran. And while he was in Vietnam, he had gotten addicted to uh, meth, uh, not meth, uh, morphine, had gotten addicted to morphine. He came back from Vietnam, came to know Christ as his savior, w would go to church, would come to church, would come for a while, was doing well. But then he would find himself right back in his drug addiction. And every time the pastor would say, are you sure you know Christ? He's like, I know I know Christ, and I hate this sin. I hate this addiction. I don't want it in my life. I don't want to keep going back to it, but I find myself going back to it. You know why? Because he had never became a true disciple of Christ. I believe that he knew Christ as his Savior, but he did not continue in that walk with Christ because Jesus says in one of the passages, he said, if you believe, that's good. 
but to be my disciples indeed, you must deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow me. And so the very fact is you could enter the narrow gate, but still stray from the narrow way. Let me encourage you. If you're struggling in your life, you know that you hate your sin. You know that you've come to know Christ as your Savior, but you find yourself continually going back to that sin. You need to get in the way and you need to say, God, I'm going to do everything I can to follow you. I'm going to be in church as I can be in church. I'm going to read my Bible as I can read my Bible. I'm going to pray as I can read my Bible. Now, those, those things don't make you saved. You've heard me say that time and time again. Don't just read your Bible to say you read your Bible. Say, God, I want to hear from you. I want to know what your word says. I want to be your disciple. Can I tell you something I'm learning in my own life? The more I get to know this book, the more I realize how little of a disciple I've been. The more I read this book, the more I learn the word of God, the more God starts to reveal, hey, you know what? You need to follow me here. Hey, listen, this thing that you were taught in the past, it actually really doesn't, it really doesn't line up with my scripture. And maybe you need to abandon that thing. Oh, this thing that you think is really good, it's not bad, but you know what? I need you to give that up, and I need you to become more of my disciple. The discipleship journey is going to be the journey for the rest of your life. It wasn't get saved and that everything is good. It's going to be a journey of, God, I know you as my Savior, but I want to continue to follow you. I want to continue to follow in your footsteps. I want to continue continue to be more like my, like uh, Jesus Christ in my life because that's what he's called us to to be conformed to the image of his son but it is a lifelong journey it's not something that's just going to be a once and done thing salvation is once and done once you receive Christ as your savior you can never lose that salvation the bible is very clear about that but you can still be a believer and not be a disciple of Jesus Christ and your life will be just as miserable as everybody else that's going down the broad way of destruction. And it will be just as destructive to you as it is to the lost person, except at the very end, your destruction will not be in hell. Your destruction will be as you stand before your Lord and Savior, the ashamed, uh, 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 the, the shame that you will feel for not having anything to cast at your Savior's feet. You'll look at your white life and say, I received you as my son, but I wasted the rest of my years. Pastor, that, that, this is a lot more restrictive. What he's given us is, is restrictive. But can I tell you, actually, it's not. The Christian life is not as restrictive as, as people make it out to be. Because here's what I found in my life. When I cho chose to go my own way, you know what I find myself doing? Getting handcuffed by my own decisions. But when I've chosen to go Jesus' way, you know what I found? A whole lot more joy, a whole lot more freedom to follow him and to do what he calls me to do, and a whole lot more excitement uh, of being able to, to serve Jesus Christ. Because being a disciple of Christ, you get to see all sorts of things in your life. Why did I go to a community theater to try out for a play? Because I said, you know what? I, I keep on uh, telling our church we need to be part of our community. So I better be part of our community if I'm encouraging you to be part of the community. Where did I get that idea from? Because Jesus commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be in our community, to show the love of Christ. And if I sit back and say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm just going to sit in my office all day. And I'm going to study God's word and I'm never going to uh, 
reach out to people. I'm never going to be in the community. What kind of picture does that paint of Jesus Christ to our community? What if I did that to you as a church member? Well, you know what? Listen, I'm too busy. Oh, oh, you went to the hospital. I was too busy to call. I was too busy to check on you. I was too busy to care about you because I'm in my office studying. What does that do? Man, it doesn't paint a very pretty picture of Jesus. He was our shepherd. And when you watch Jesus, where did he go? In the highways and the hedges? Where did he go? He went and sat with tax collectors and sinners and told them of the love of Jesus. And can I tell you something? I find a lot of joy going to the community theater and being around other people and them saying, hey, so you pastor a church, huh? Yeah, I pastor a church. Wow. I, 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 where did you come from? Oh, I, moved, I moved here from Georgia. Well, why, why? To pastor a church? You would do that? Yeah. I love it too. And you know what? It's opened up other conversations. Oh, I'm also planning on doing uh, the Living Last Supper like we did last year. I'm trying to get them to do it here at Fallon again. You know why? Because I was telling people, yeah, right after we get done with this play, I'm going to be doing another play at Easter. Really? Where? I would love to come watch that. You know what I know about these people? That most of the people that are saying that don't know Christ. And what an opportunity in the freedom of Jesus for me to say, look, I'm walking the narrow way and I still get to tell people about Jesus and I still get to have such freedom to serve Christ with everything. How awesome is that? I'm not restricted by, by my own choices. I'm saying, Spirit, lead me, direct me, let me follow you. Can I tell you something? If you have not chose after salvation, to continue to be his disciple. Learn to walk in the Spirit, and you'll see that there is so much great joy in that relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe it's in 1 Peter. He says, joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what our relationship with Christ brings. But most people go to church thinking that, well, it's restrictive. Religion is restrictive, but living in the spirit of Jesus Christ is free, is freeing. He says, let them be, uh, let them that are free be free indeed. And can I tell you, being a disciple, being a disciple of Christ is the most freeing thing that you could ever do. Walk in the narrow way. If you don't know Christ as your savior, Today, won't you enter in the narrow gate? Jesus said, I am the door. If any man enter in, he will have life.